My name is Vida Sister Prince. Today is September 16, 1998. I am interviewing Jack Schoner of Supply St. Louis Incorporated um, for my Mississippi River project. A packet boat is a steamboat, but is it a steamboat that... A packet boat would probably be a, a vessel of, uh, I don't know the length of them, but they would carry passengers for hire and also cargo. Okay, now, just a minute. Okay. Um, so a steamboat is a steamboat, but a packet boat is a steamboat that carries cargo. Well, most packet boats were stern wheelers. In other words, like the Delta Queen is a stern wheeler, and that that is probably pretty big for the packet boat days. They were not maybe not quite that big, and they had decks that extended out over the side, and the uh, cargo would be loaded on the lower deck, and. Uh, passengers would be on the upper deck. They would stop at St. Louis. Uh, there might be 30 or 40 of them in at one time. I've seen pictures of it. I was not around at that time. Uh, but they, you could book passage on there to the next town. Uh, this is a probably about a a little bit ahead of the railroad times and then the railroad comes in and the railroad took over quite a bit of their shipments. And then out of Pittsburgh they made wood barges and floated them to New Orleans and they would unload and they just sell the timber there for construction down in that area. And they'd walk back up the river. This has to be in the early 1800s. So the barges began in Pittsburgh? Well, the wood barges began there. Uh, that was down the Ohio into the Mississippi. Uh, the first thing that I've read probably was in the packet boat days in the St. Louis area. And there was quite a few of them in town at one time and they had the terrific ice boards and so forth and it just pushed them all up in the bank and damaged them and all. Most of these vessels were of the wood construction, yeah. the packet boat days or wood construction. You were saying ice forge? Of Those ice heavy flow. flow. Ice, ice flow. Ice flow. Okay. Down the river and it just pushed everything out on the bank. Yeah. In some cases damaging the vessels very bad and then left them on the bank. And once you get it ground and then the river falls out, then you got a problem with them leaning or listing mm -hmm. and probably sinking right there. Uh, why, are they, we, why are we moving? Well, we got a little cable slack and if just somebody went by. Oh, okay. Uh, I would, but I was, I was in the beginning before even the recorder went on talking about this would be from like steam thinking in terms of trying to trace the, the, the commerce and the shipping. And I'd like to really begin with your involvement in the river, on the river. It goes way back, doesn't it, with your dad? Well, I started in the business with my dad in 1948. He had been in a pleasurable business before that time. 
and we manufactured a little steel hull that uh, ACBL and England barge line and all used on the top of their boats or on their toes for life boats. Back in those ages, outboard motors were not too dependable and we put an inboard gasoline engine in these vessels and they drove in roughly 30, 28 to 30 mile an hour. And this was, at that time, their life boat and also a place to get off of the tow and go to, go to town and get things they needed. Mm -hmm. And I guess about 51, the company started into midstreaming of, of groceries and any other parts of anything that the vessels needed. Now this was engine parts, filters, oil, and then in 53 we got into the midstream of fueling of the boats underway. The boats didn't have to come to the dock anymore to take fuel. We would take it to them. We took them fuel, fresh water, a lube all, and there any supplies that they needed, groceries, anything you would buy at home, we probably service supplied to the vessel. Mm -hmm. Their personal needs, uh, cigarettes, uh, candy, they would order ahead. Back in those aged days, we had AM radios. That was, everybody was on one channel. And you, the closest two boats talked, and <clears throat> if somebody had a bigger transmitter than you did, they'd override you, and maybe you had to wait till they get done. Uh -huh. uh, now, where would these boats be? Like, how far away, or where would you take well, it to? Well, back then, I guess we could talk anywhere from 40 to 50 miles away, and at their speed of upriver of maybe five miles an hour, maybe two miles an hour. You had quite a bit of time to assemble the order. Coming down the river, they would probably make from five to 10 mile an hour average. And so they would come right here to where? They'd come by the harbor and we would go to meet them. We may drop down <clears throat> six or seven miles with a fuel flat, tie alongside of them and fuel them as they come up the river. Any downstream vessels we would get, vessels going downstream, we would get them to hold up somewhere so that they didn't take us so far down the river. <clears throat> because we could pump 30,000 gallons of fuel an hour, but some of the boats couldn't take it that fast, so that made you with them a long, longer time. Yeah, this is in the 50s, you This is in the 50s. Okay, and how did they pay you? Well, at that time it was all credit. Uh, and part of the credit was with the oil companies for the fuel and the, you would invoice from the groceries and all. So they'd send a check? They would send a check, yeah. Okay. Um, but didn't, didn't your, this was your dad? This was? My dad started the business originally and I joined him in. When did he start it? He started in about 46. When were you born, Jack? St. Louis. No, when? <laughs> When? 31. 1931. Okay. And so you grew up here. Did you grow up on the river? I grew up uh, years ago. My dad had a pleasure boat operation through the 40s. Uh, uh, 
we run a little ferry to the entertainment aisle of Mosentine Island up just north of St. Louis. <clears throat> then he got into the small boat parts and then they just moved it down here. We went into manufacturing of the small motor boats plus the parts. And it just kind of went over into the commercial stuff. The commercial stuff being what you were telling me. With the commercial business being supplying the commercial the towing lines. Mm -hmm. He had many companies, one a lot of little operators, one or two boats operating through the 50s and 60s, and then eventually the bigger companies started buying all those operations up. used to have 15 or 20 barge lines in St. Louis. I guess you get five or six in St. Louis right now. Paducah has quite a few over there. New Orleans has quite a few down there. And uh, there's different operations, uh, Vicksburg and so forth, one or two companies operating out of them towns. So help trace it for me. The steamboats, the packet boats first, and then the rail? Well, the rail took part of it when they had the shortage, that's when the rail business come in. When they had the what? When the packet boats all got damaged, that's when the rail business come in. Um, Jimmy Swift could probably help you with his history a whole lot better uh, than what no, I can. I, well, I want, I want yours. I can get his. I got his. And uh, after that, they started building the steel barges. Now, when this occurred, there was different shaped barges that was built in the 29s and 30s, I guess. And the barge we know today is a 35 by 195 by 10 foot haul uh, was built through the, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and now they're building them same size, physical size barge, but they're building them with the 14 foot haul that allows them to uh, uh, load up to 2,200 ton approximately instead of 1,500 ton in the 10-foot haul. Mm -hmm. This, of course, the depth of the barge uh, is affected by the amount of tonnage. You need to see him? Yeah. All right. I guess in the... Uh, Business was good through the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and 80. We had some people that got in financial trouble, and that affected us quite bad. Uh, we had some, a couple bad accounts that we lost quite a bit of money on, and uh, we just kind of cut back and reorganized through a couple things, and uh, then we. Uh, fuel become hard to get and the prices hard to get and some cases we went to that they we would deliver the fuel and then they would pay for it the next day either in the form of a wire transfer or else you'd pick up a check. Uh, credit situation got real touchy and about uh, 89 we joined forces with one of these local oil companies and tried to work with them and that didn't work out too good and we finally just got out the fuel and the lube all and the parts and 
midstreaming of it and went to the fact that some vessels would come up in and pick up the parts at the dock and that's what we're doing now. We have different companies that some of them bring their own parts in and they just pay a fee to tie up and put their supplies aboard and they change crews and pick up their parts and then they take on fresh water and then they're on their way. What would you say though that is the, the main reason why your business changed? Not not just the bad accounts, well, the bad accounts. Or was uh, it just the times that everybody had a tough time then? I think everybody had a tough time and <clears throat> we got to the point where we couldn't carry the all companies wouldn't carry the credit anymore and we couldn't carry the credit for them. And the dollar volume of course increased. Well and that was in the eighties or you said? Yes, uh huh. And so why couldn't the oil companies do Well, they just elected not to carry the credit for the towing industry because it was taking so long to pay the bills and all. This isn't my expertise. It was taking too long for people... To pay the oil companies for the thing, so they uh -huh. said, you bill it, you collect the money. Well, we had the same problem, but we didn't have the financial backing that, that the oil company You couldn't had. get it from the people you were selling it right. to. Right. Okay. It's just not my, my bright, by my bright spot is not that. Um, could you, you were talking about the 40s down here. Could you tell me what was happening on the levee at that time? Can you tell me about the people who worked there? And I mean, here we see this big arch and all this green grass and so forth, but well, that was all tenement houses where the arches was. I, I remember that. Uh -huh. Warehouses and tenements. And they elected to tear all of them down and put in the grassy field, and you had that for years. And uh, I guess they worked on that arch area from the middle 50s to 66. I think that's when it was completed. That's right. I guess they worked on that 10 years and there's a, there's a film in a warehouse or a, a museum down in the bottom of the arch that shows about putting that together. I don't know if they got any brochures on that or not, but that might be interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they redid the old courthouse, so that's a, a tourist attraction right in this area, mm -hmm. plus the arch, mm -hmm. and then we had Oh, I guess three or four restaurants along the levee down here in the 50s. Uh, they had this, the Goldenrod Showboat, mm -hmm. and they had the Becky Thatcher restaurant, mm -hmm. and then they brought the Robert E. Lee in, and then I think 56. I, you have to check me on all these dates. Right. The restaurants have kind of just closed up, and uh, I guess the Admiral up here, which is a casino, has a buffet, and I guess they'd like you all to come up there and uh, have their uh, buffet-type dinner, which is very reasonable, and some of these dinner theaters were getting quite expensive to attend. That was the Robert Ely had the dinner theater, and the showboat had the dinner theater, and the Becky Thatcher was usually hard to get on. Mm -hmm. 
And then we had the Bell Angeline restaurant that was just above the Eats Bridge there for years. And they, they did a terrific business. It was at dinner time and through the evening it was hard to get on there unless you had a reservation ahead of time. And they have just kind of all gone out of business and uh, there's not too much left down here on the river riverfront other than the the Gateway Riverboat Cruises, the Casino, and our big McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm, you know, I've told you that I'm pretty much of a novice with this right now, but as I was driving down here, I thought that I wondered emotionally how it was for you all to see that. Well, it was pretty desolate. It was all cobblestones. Even the street was cobblestones and railroad tracks run down there. And they would just come down sometimes and set for hours, waiting to get in the switching yard. And the entertainment vessels up there got quite concerned that the people couldn't get aboard for their schedules and all. So there, there was, and, and I, I can't tell you when we redid the, the roadway and all. Mm -hmm. up there. What do you mean they couldn't get aboard? They couldn't well, you couldn't get across the train. Their freight train was sitting oh. on the levee. The freight train went down the levee. Uh -huh. So they, people couldn't get from that side of the levee over here. Can, can you, um, but can you, you, so you're telling me that at one time it was thriving and it was exciting and fun and people. Well, there were lots of riverboat business down on the the riverfront and it's just kind of all dried up. Yeah. Do you think people came from the West End? I mean, was it city people or was it people that lived there? Well, out? I think just all over the area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you, the first time I was here, though we didn't talk very long, you said something about the Depression made the barges? Made the barge industry, I believe that really was a cheap way to transport something and you can I get the chart I give you you can see the tonnage uh -huh. involved against uh, a 15 barge tow is two and a half unit trains the unit train is a hundred carloads oh. <clears throat> and it relates one barge is 15, 15 barges two and a half unit trains to this many trucks. This many trucks? Yeah, in that you tow. Carries this amount? That, um, yeah, that's 15 barge tow, that's two and a half unit trains, and this many trucks. Wait a minute. This is a tow boat. Is that that's what you're a saying? tow boat with a 15 barge tow. And where does it say that? Well, one tow, okay, let's see here where we got it. 15 Here's barge tow, see? Uh -huh. One barge, 100 ton, 1,500 ton per barge, okay? Uh-huh, okay. Oh, uh, 15 barges in a tow going north. Okay. Now, when they go south, they could take 25 or 30 with water. This is how much is in a 
jumbo railroad car. That's a hundred ton, okay? Uh -huh. So a hundred train cars, okay? Uh-huh. That's how much tonnage. And a semi, how many tons, okay? Twenty-six. So you're telling me a barge handles more. Well, the, yeah, this is how many trucks yes. it takes to fill a 15-barge tow. That's this amazing. This is how many trucks to fill one barge. That's amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate That's this. That's put out by the Iowa State Highway Department, I uh -huh. believe. Iowa, uh, I don't remember what state. So the Depression made the yeah. barge <clears throat> business. And... Uh, your, your old towboats back in the late 40s was 1,800 to 2,400 horsepower. And as the years progressed, we went to 3,200 horsepower per, per towboat, 48, 5,600 horsepower, 7,600 horsepower, 9,000 horsepower, and then 10,000 horsepower boats. Well, you still got some of the 10,000 horsepower boats out here, mm -hmm. but they have probably repired them down to about 7,200 horsepower. Um, what, what is the difference between a towboat and a tugboat? Well, a towboat the people live on. In other words, when you get on a towboat, you go from St. Louis to Minneapolis or St. Louis to New Orleans. That round trip will take about 15 days, and you actually live on a boat. You work six hours, you're off six hours, you're on six hours, or you're off six hours. You work 12 hours a day. They feed you on the boat, you actually live on the boat. <clears throat> you may work 20 or 30 days, and then you get time off on some companies, mm -hmm. not all companies. Sometimes if you take time off, it's on your own. Now, a tugboat, as you see in a harbor is probably uh, anywhere from 600 horsepower to the bigger ones 1800 horsepower those people get aboard that vessel and they work 12-hour shifts in other words they work all day or they work all night they build the toes and put the toes together for the line boats that take 15 or 25 hours depending on which way they're going. The tugboat will also spot all of the docks in the area for loading purposes or unloading purposes. And then after they're loaded, they take them back to the fleet. And they usually know, know ahead of time, <coughs> pardon fleet, me. Fleet of barges. A fleet of barges is like just below us here. There's barges tied off on that anchor fleet. Now those are loaded barges waiting to go south. <clears throat> and then uh, they may get 15 barges in there and then a tow comes down the river from, with 15 barges for the, all the same company or sometimes they intermix tows. They'll tie those barges off. Then he's got 30. Then a big boat will come up that's northbound, drop his tow, come over and get those 25 or 30 barges and proceed south with them. Sometimes they turn around within two to six hours. Sometimes they're here longer, depending on if they're waiting, want somebody else coming in. 
or so forth. And while they're in the harbor, they got there's still a company in town that'll come alongside and put fuel aboard them so that they're ready to go back south. They like to have the towboat loaded a little heavier going south because the towboat performs better. Now, <clears throat> uh, they sometimes take fuel in New Orleans or take fuel here. They might buy it cheaper in New Orleans, so maybe they only take enough up here to get them back down there and then they'll fill up again. Um, what did World War II do to the river in St. Louis? Front. Oh, yeah. I really wasn't around then. Uh, uh, I don't even know when the cobblestones and all was put in, but I think that was in the late 20s and early 30s. But I, I don't recollect any of that because yeah. I didn't arrive here to 31. Yeah, but I mean the commerce part of it. I, I, th I think that helped build the, the mm -hmm. volume where the people could buy the large volume of stuff and cut the transportation down. Uh, you also said that short time when I was here before you said something about the uh, the shipbuilding being an economic boom. And what can you tell me? A, well, a lot bit of a lot of vessels were built through the 40s and 50s. Uh, Do you remember the names of the companies you could tell me about? Well, locally we had St. Louis Ship, which was the foot of Davis Street, and then they bought up uh, Federal Barge Line. And at uh, Cape Dorado, you got Missouri Dry Dock, Jeffersonville, Indiana, was uh, Jeff Boat, which is part of ACBL now. What's and ACBL? American Commercial Barge Line. Uh, they also got a, another company that operates some of the fleeting areas and so forth. And then at uh, Nashville, you had Nashville bridge that built a lot of boats. They built a, a, a competitive type thing. And then New Orleans, you had two or three shipyards down there that built new boats. They were all real busy. Sometimes they'd be busy building barges and building towboats at the same time. And at some, one time, I think the St. Louis ship, the man talked about being 10 boats behind in other words, he had 10 boats sold that he couldn't deliver. Wow. So, <clears throat> and I don't know how many they delivered a year. I, I who, who owned that, Jack? Pardon? Who owned St. Louis Ship Company? Well, it was Herman Potts. Potts. I, I think he's got a museum here in town somewhere. And, uh, um, I think it was... St. Louis ship then becomes pot industries, and then I think they sold out to future Houston natural gas, but they operated under the St. Louis ship name. Okay, I had his name somewhere um, on the bottom of a piece of paper. Oh no, that was H.T. Potts. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see, um, hmm, 
so now St. Louis, the city sort of began to move away from the whole river front. Um, the population, do you mean? Mm-hmm. And also <clears throat> the commerce of St. Louis moved away. The things on far, um, the factories. Well, I think that was probably, I don't know, probably due to your, in the 50s, you probably labor costs and all. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing you got going right now with this EPA and all, uh, they're imposing all these fines on these people. And uh, I think Monsanto just announced yesterday that they're building a big factory in Brazil. Mm -hmm. yeah. So. There, there's more product that's going to be imported that we use. It's the, the regulations are, are so that they can't physically comply mm -hmm. and not be fine. You got a fine against Shell Oil up here now and Clark Oil. And when when these people fine you or the companies, that makes your and my cost go up yes. because they got the. But they're not looking at that aspect. Yes, it's good to be safe and so forth, but we, the guidelines that have been set up, some companies just can't live with. No. And they talk about cleaning the river up. The river is 10 or 15 times cleaner today than it was back in the 40s. And everybody says the dirtiest river system in the world. I mean, that was on news the other night. Well, if it's that much cleaner now than what it used to be, what did we have then? Yeah, well, we had, we had a, everything was kind of dirtier, I guess, in those days. Well, I, yeah, I guess you got to set, set safety standards and you got to have the employees and all safe, but uh, these, this asbestos thing was such a big deal as a cleanup. Now they decide maybe that ain't so bad, huh? Mm -hmm. What was the effect of, of the changes that went on down here on the people? I mean, it, it the people that were... Well, you got less people working down here, all those restaurants out of here. Mm -hmm. You had less traffic and... Uh, just like the boat that hit the... The Admiral up there that made such a big deal out of that, yes, it was a dangerous situation. It's a dangerous situation every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, just because that guy broke his toe up right there on that bridge, I mean, another toe could have broke down and, and done the same thing coming down the river. Yeah. yeah. If you're out there on the river, you need to put some kind of protection out in front of you or go to the boats and the boats. With, but safer. You don't have that problem. Everybody's trying to eliminate that problem. Though. What happened to your boat and everything? Your, what happened to this office during the flood in '93? Well, we just floated here and uh, hope the anchors held. And how's everything? Yeah, they held everything in place. We just didn't have any freight coming in or out. Uh, the personnel to man the place when up. Uh, scaffolding on the seawall, down the scaffolding, and then we had barges, little barges out across the street. 
but you did you brought over what you had to have. Mm -hmm. This particular area. This area, this fleet here, we could get personnel in and out. Got an Eagle fleet. They were set up that they could get personnel in and out. There again, they just brought over the materials that they just had to have. An Eagle fleet is. That's it. That's down the river here, a mile and a half. What is it? What is it? It's a barge, a tugboat operating company okay. that handles the tugs and builds the barges for the commercial towboat industry. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. talk, talk to me about what I don't even... All right. There's the Federal Barge Lines, Eagle Marine Industries. Yes. St. Louis Ship Company. Um, what other? Well, what date? Today's date? No, I really want the 40s-ish. I want it when it was booming. Well, you going to make me do a little research on that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll let you. Uh, did, did, just to change the subject a little bit, what was in the 40s and 50s uh, what about segregation? How, what was that about down here? Who, who had what jobs, if any? And how, how did it go? Well, there was a few colored folks that worked on the vessels. There's quite a few worked on the Admiral when he cruised up and down the river. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a few deckhands today in the industry that's that's colored folk. And I, I know some awful nice colored people and it. I know some that I didn't care too much for, but that's right. true with the white folk too. Right. Uh, there's good and bad in both the Categories. Right. Uh, we used to have uh, colored people that worked. We made rigging. That's the wire ropes mm -hmm. to hold the barges together. We had a machine that assembled that, and we had, I guess, five people doing that type of work, making this rigging that uh -huh. holds the barges together. This is when you were the fuel company. Yes. Uh -huh. This is St. Louis Fuel and Supply. And, uh, when did your father pass away? Uh, 79. And did he work up until that time or had he... Uh, the last five years or so he didn't. He was around supervising, but we probably didn't have too much traffic. You, you want to talk to him? Come on in. show people around and uh, tell them what to... Actually, my job was to maintain the boat, painting, and uh, so forth. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I was calling Jack Shona to move us up before the water <laughs> took our ramps up. Well, is that your first or last name? First name. First name. What's your last name, please? Hooks. Hooks. Wallace. Okay. Do you want to talk to Wallace? I, I, I can wait. Oh, this is on tape, huh? Yeah, well it yeah, is right you're now. You're being taped. Yeah. You forgot to tell you. <laughs> Do you want to talk to him, Jack? Jack was the one that taught me to have a cup of coffee first. 
before I got excited. <laughs> before you got excited? <laughs> before I got excited. <laughs> I was always excited. The river's coming up, the river's coming up. Have a cup of coffee no matter what was happening. It's <laughs> <laughs> better than counting to ten, isn't well, it? Well, river people don't, they know what they're doing, so you go at their speed. Well, it's going to happen. I tell you not to be, Jack used to tell me, I'd ask him, what is the river going to do? It's going to go up, and it's going to go down. Like <laughs> that, the stock that, market. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Regardless. It was fun then. Do you all get frightened when that happens? Pardon? Do you get frightened when that happens? Why? When it goes up? Well, it just makes it for harder to do everything. Maybe the current's a little swifter, and... Things move faster than what you want them to move. And if you want something to float down the river two feet, you know, it'll just sit there. But have have it get it loose or something, boy, it's going real it's quick. See, yeah. mm -hmm. then you get in a hurry. <clears throat> yeah, it pays to be a little afraid too. Well, I've just been reading this book called R Rising Tide about it goes way back to Eads. James Eads, and, and it's about the 1927 flood, which I guess none of us were alive then. But not me. Not me. Not me. Okay, none <laughs> of us were alive, but it was, it was a series of but nobody paying much attention to what was happening. And uh, do you feel pretty safe here with the levee like it is and the conditions that are on the riverfront? Well, the only thing the levee's done for us is confined the river. All the levees you put in is confined the river. So it don't have the area to split out into. And everybody say, oh, we're going to have a worse flood than we have. Well, what can you expect? I mean, we put all these levees up, these dikes and all, we're containing them. Right. It's not going out over the farmer's field. Do you understand that? Sure I do. Uh, some thought, I think, was in this book about the fact that if you contain the le you, you, you contain the river with the levees, it would deepen it. Is that, is that? Well, I don't think that's happening. No, no. It didn't. It didn't. No, it's spreading out over what you <laughs> The only reason it's know. deepening it is it's going higher up in the air because you've got to contain and then you see the bottom of the river is constantly moving. Sands rolling down or mud rolling down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you get something that restricts it in an area, mm -hmm. that's going to cause the sand to fall out. Then you got a sandbar there, and that's why you've got to come in and dredge the channel. Take the sandbar. Right. But that bottom's there, and it's, as the river comes up, the bottom's going to come up in different areas. Maybe you don't realize it, and then when it starts back down, some of these are going to wash out because of the flow of the current, and some of them aren't. Some of them are going to stay there. Now they got the little dredge right below the JB Bridge, digging in the channel down there now. They've also got one up here above Alton Lock. I don't. They may have just moved out of there, but they. The new lock they put in, they mm -hmm. had to get in there and dredge that area. The approach to the lock was, the bottom was coming up. So they took that and, pardon me, dredged that out and put it in. Up. Right. 
might be sand or mud, anything that moves down the river. And who handles that? That's all done by the Corps of Engineers. And they have to, if they got to plant dredging, they got to know to find the environmentalists approximately six months ahead of time where they intend to dump that spoil. Oh. And is it going to kill any wildlife or snails or anything in that area? Uh, I mean, it has to be done, okay? You're shaking it, your head. Well, it's. That's an unnecessary thing. It's, it's got to be done, so let's do it. And, and <clears throat> the wildlife stuff has to prevail, but if it's going to cost the Corps engineers more money to do the same job on account of some snail basin or something over there, which in turn is going to cost you and me more money, I, I, I think that's out of line. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I think that's out of line. You're probably right. Um, I've got a little list here, and the Corps of Engineers was on that. What, um, the Coast Guard? Well, the Coast Guard maintains the aids to navigation. Maintains that's the what? Aids to navigation. Now, like, Age? Well, that's a flasher up on the bank. It's a, like a stop sign or oh. a guideline that tells the vessels where to sail. There's also buoys in the river marking both sides of the recommended channel depth. Plus, they perform safety duties and rescue duties. They're like policemen? They're, They're like policemen, yes. Charge of the trip. I guess your state water patrol has more actual authority over the Coast Guard and if the Coast Guard has to arrest somebody they call them because mm -hmm. they got more clout legal-wise than what the Coast Guard does. Mm -hmm. And of course today things the Coast Guard's involved in these the, uh, when you get a license we have to have a, a drug test and a screening test and a physical and they license all the people on the river that they're qualified for to navigate the river. Excuse me, what's going on behind me? Now that's a barge. That's a northbound tow, and he's on. Well, that's a, that's an empty there. Those are empty. Those are empty barges. Yes. Yeah. See how high they're out of the water? Okay. I but what's that white thing on top? Is that That's, those are the covers. the covers. Those are gray covers. You see those little bitty lids in the middle of them? Uh-huh. When they get up here to the grain company, they'll open them up, and they shoot the grain down inside there, oh. and then they just cover them back up. Oh, I see. And there's a, that's a tiny little toe. Well, he's just going to the elevator here. Oh, okay. That's that is one a toe. That, well, yes, but that's a tug that's taken two two barges to the elevator for loading. After they get loaded, then the grain company will call. He's probably going over to Eastside Continental. When they get done loading them, they'll call and say, hey, I got your barges ready. Then he'll come back and get them. Maybe he'll bring them two more. Or maybe come? maybe somebody else will bring them. Now, he can, he can push those full, that little tote. 
In this type of water, yes. Everything has another thing. You never, you know, it's always... Well, if you really want to look at it, if you've got a, a tow like that, two barges coming up the river, empty or loaded, the easier you move through the water. In other words, if you go into a crossing, maybe you have more time to correct a little error than you do if you're in that, you got just the two barges. Uh, at the risk of not of really sounding like I'm, I can't grasp this, uh, I still can't decipher the toe and the tug. That's a, just the is toe, it interchangeable, the words? Well, they're basically the same thing other than the size of them and the horsepower of them. Okay. Okay? Yeah, so they're all cars, but they're different house, you know. All right. The bigger the, the bigger the horsepower, the more they can do. Uh -huh. right. just, just like look, let's look at the little tow truck and the big tow truck. Okay. Uh -huh. So what should I call them? Well, tugboats or towboats. So. Now I'm confusing you because when you say tugboat down south, that's a pointed boat. Okay. Uh huh. We we got tugboats. They've got Tonys on them, just like the big boats, uh -huh. and that's what you push with. We'll go out here and look at this one out here. Okay. But what we just saw there was a... What I call a tug. That's okay. a harbor tug. Okay. Now, on boats like that, I have gone on trips, mm -hmm. but the most we took was like seven empty barges, okay? We didn't have any loads. And we were going down the river. Then yes, we could stop them. We turned them around and we put them in the fleet. But you couldn't take them up river. Well, I wouldn't want to go up the river because we would probably go up the river, maybe a half mile an hour. Mm -hmm. Now some of the big toes get oh, down. Oh, they could do it, but it wouldn't. It takes too long. Yeah. And then the big boats, sometimes with their 15 or 20 barges. They maybe only make five mile an hour. Now, when you supply, you supply all different kinds of boats. You just supply whatever they might need, right? Right now? Uh, parts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They may want just uh, oil absorbent material, which is a safety type thing. But it could be a barge, it could be a tug, it could right. be a... Right. It could be cleaner. A what? Like cleaner, like yeah. you buy just washing detergent in a eight-ounce bottle. They buy it in a five-gallon bucket. Yeah. So, so they tell you what you they want, and then you pick up the phone and. Well, it. some of what we have here. In this, uh, what do you call this? A loft? Well, it's a storage area, a barge. That's a barge. A barge. Um, if we don't have it, we go get it and try to have it for them. Quartermaster Corps. Um, That's the Army. And what, what, what are we going to do with what them? What is it? Huh? <laughs> what are they? Uh, I'm not too familiar with okay. the term. Right. And are there, like, unions? You have, um, is it Pilots Association? Is that... Are there any unions down here? 
Well, most of the boats are not are non-union at the present time. There is a couple of them that have it. They used to be real big back in the 40s and in the 50s. They had the master mates and pilots, and the come in front of the labor board, and it was declared by the labor board that the captains and the pilots were supervisor employees. They could belong to their union, but they didn't have too much to say because they were supervisors of the company. Um, what am I not, I mean, what do I not even know enough to ask you about that maybe you might think I should think about? Well, you need to interview somebody that's uh, worked on a towing vessel like Larry out there. He's been up and down the river. Mm -hmm. and he has pilot's license. Uh, I have pilot's license. Mm -hmm. uh, I have always like troubleshooted where somebody had a problem for a couple days. I've gone and stood a couple days watches or something like that. <laughs> He'll be over in a minute. And he, when he went to work for this company, it was Mississippi Valley Barge Line. Valley Barge Line? Mississippi, oh, Mississippi Valley Barge Line. And then yeah, it becomes nice the Valley Line. Take care, Wallace. The Valley Line. And after that time, they were bought out by ACBL. This is in the 80s, I guess. Well, he'll be able to tell you. He'll give you some other names too. Um, There's a, um, isn't there something called Valley Barge Line now? Well, that's part of ACBL, American Commercial Barge Line. They bought them out. Now there, there may be a small operator. No, no, no. It's that man. I well. Um, shall I bring up another subject before we? Before okay. Okay. What? How'd you feel about the gambling boats down here? Well, they don't pose any problems to me, and they're very courteous of, of the tugs that are operating in the area, and they just just talk and make their arrangements. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think they really pose any problems to the navigation of the tugs. Uh, <clears throat> some people are so quite concerned. I mean, if they break down, they're in trouble, but if we got a lot of tugs around, maybe one of them get over there and catch them, you know. Mm -hmm. How could they break down? What do you mean? Well, any boat... I mean, they're moored, any, aren't they? Huh? Aren't they moored? Well, some of them have to go out. The Illinois vessels have to go out and navigate. Oh. Oh. The president up here, the Admiral Hall, they're permanently moored. Yeah. All right? But here, they're under different regulations from the Coast Guard, and then when the vessel goes out, and all the upheaval about the light preservers and all about not being aboard, well, it's permanently moored. It's, it's an office, it's a warehouse tied yeah. to the bank. What did you think when the Admiral came years ago? Well, I remember it being built. Yeah. And they built it, I guess, through the 29s and early 30s. And I remember going out and on it when I was a kid. That was a steam operated mm -hmm. side wheeler. It's 
interesting. That's an, that was an old railroad car ferry that ferried railroad cars across the river. And in the 20s, they put... I'm talking about the Admiral. I'm talking about the Admiral, the, too. The very modern-looking boat. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? It was a big barge. It was a railroad car ferry. Built very oh. heavy. Oh. And they bought that, and then they built all that superstructure on that. Oh. I was amazed when Jim Swift showed me pictures of putting a train on a ferry or oh, a barge. Yeah, about. I couldn't believe that it would hold that. Well, that was one of the yeah. car ferries. They had two sets of tracks on there and they put, oh, I guess, uh, I don't even know how long it four or five train cars on one side and then they move over and put four or five on the other mm. and they go across the river and another <clears throat> steam engine would be waiting over there and they pull them off. Mm -hmm. Did he tell me that the ferries took business away from the bridge? Well, I think it would be the other way. The other way around, he told yeah. me, then. The bridge took the, away from the ferries. The, so the ferries went out of business. Yeah. Okay. There was a ferry in North St. Louis, and there was a, that I think took cars and all, and people, at Tyler Street. Uh -huh. And then there was a, uh, down here at the Old Valley Terminal was a incline that loaded rail cars mm -hmm. over onto a barge and they went across the river underneath the MacArthur Bridge over here and they unloaded them over there. They had what they called an incline. That's a track with a, a, a V-shaped thing and as the river goes up and down, they moved it up and down and the barge fitted into that. <coughs> Is this river busy? Well, with the bigger barges, uh, the tonnage is up of transient product. Mm -hmm. um, I think you got as many towboats operating, but not as many companies. And there probably hasn't been any new towboats built in the last, in the volume, there's a couple just been built. But until that time that they started them, there hadn't been any new towboats built for 10 or 15 years. Well, that's a long time. Yes. Uh, well, why aren't they building them, Jack? Well, it, it, we, we, we overbuilt. Oh. There was more towboats and more barges in the system, and the government stepped in and said, well, if you build new barges, we'll help finance them. I can't remember the name of the program, but a lot of these barges after five years got turned back into the government and they sold them off. And then this is just about the time they're doing that. The business is starting back. The people were retiring older barges and there was becoming a, a shortage of barges. It's all supply and demand. There. Sure. Yeah. So as the country goes, so goes the river traffic. I would imagine if you got a lot of barges and want to rent them out, nobody wants to rent them, so the businesses are too good. 
Yeah. And then in the winter time, a lot of times they'll store grain in barges. If they run out of silos uptown, they'll put barge storage. So when they, they fill them with the tops on, most some they can fill them with the tops on. Well, they on. got lift covers or they got roll covers. Mm -hmm. Now those was lift covers with the little grain doors. And to load grain, all we got some pipe about this big around. Yeah. They sticked it down in that hole, which is probably four foot by ten foot. And they stick that down and they can move that back and forth and pretty much cover the width of the barge. Yeah, so, and, but the uh, grain covers, so they just take the whole thing off. That's a, is that right? Well, no, the little covers we can open to load grain. Oh. But when we load coal in them or something, we may set them to one end, load the coal in the middle. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't even spread them back out because it don't hurt the coal to get wet. But grain, it would hurt to get wet. Yeah. Are they uh, material covers or are they metal? Are they either Well, one? some of them are metal. The roll tops are metal and the lift tops in some cases are metal and mm -hmm. some of them are fiberglass. Now, by using fiberglass tops, we can load that much more tonnage in the barge. Yeah. And light? the cost of fiberglass against lift top steel is probably just about the same price, but the attraction is, is the more tonnage in the bar. Yeah. Um, so grain, coal, what else do they show? Fertilizer, dry fertilizer, uh, uh, aluminum ore, steel ore, scrap steel. They usually have scrap steel barges open, they let coal barges open. And this dock up here, this ACBL American Commercial Marine Service, ACMS, mm -hmm. has put in, can load a barge in an hour. And they put a string of barges in, all strung out, one behind the other, by springing out, I mean, mm -hmm. like this. They load this barge, it drops over on a fleet, and then at that time they start loading this barge. They may not even shut the coal flow out because they've got a spot on the end. They go from this barge to this barge, uh -huh. and they don't spill anything. Yeah. And a fleet is, is a group? Uh, a string, a line, a, a string. Line. Might be five barges in that string. Yeah. And that's loaded, it falls over, the next string's in line. Don't lose any time at all. Yeah. And they weigh that coal on a moving conveyor, and they can tell you to the pounds how much is in there. Mm. Uh, we have to dock across the river here. It takes about two and a half to three hours to load a barge that they load in an hour up there. So you, Jack, and the few people that are in this little slip or whatever you want to call it here, you are what's left well, of the waterfront down here besides those uh, Becky, you know, those excursion boats and the gambling boats right. and McDonald's. This little group of little offices Well, this is here. probably about four. You got the Admiral, you got the Gateway Riverboat Cruisers, you got the Robert E. Lee, you got McDonald's, and you got us right in this area. But I you're guess the at business. one time that might have been a count of 15. Yeah. But you're the business. We're the commercial end, that's the party end. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, alright. What do you think I should do with all this? I don't know, have you run down that book about the river that the two guys... No, not yet. No, not yet. I've got it, I've got it written down, though, what you told me. I have all that. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, there's a lot here, and it's... Well, it's harder for you to digest, I know, did you? Jimmy talked to you about the, uh... The river guide. Did he talk to you about that? You talked. You showed it to All me. Right. Well, uh, you didn't show. We we didn't talk about it really. You All just right. This is it. a book. This shows the the barge lines. Barges and towing companies. Admiral towing. This is this, this is just all over the country. All right, here's Alder Barge out of Davenport, Iowa. American Barge out of Cahokia, Illinois, over here. They got some real big boats. Here's the American Commercial. Now, you can, if you want these books, you get them through this Waterways Journal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's Jimmy's office. I'm kind of more. Yeah. Right. I'm and now they also got a book. All right, let's go a little farther with it. This shows the terminals. Yeah. Okay. This is Carl Radisack. Hi. Tell the little lady about the barge lines that was at St. Louis and give her some names on them if you can. You're on a recording. Like you had the Valley Line and Nilo Barge Line and who else? Fill us in on some more of the company names. Triangle Towing. Do you mean just the terminals or you mean... Well, the names of the barge lines. Barge line? Yeah. There was ACBL and there was uh, Mecklen. Mecklen barge line. And, uh, and Valley Line and Mississippi Valley Guard Line started out and some Valley Line. And, and Federal Barge Line. Hoffman Towing. Hoffman Towing. And, and National Marine. Apex Towing. Apex Towing. Uh, uh, we, we aren't Denton. Memco. Memco, Ohio Barge Line. Do we say Nilo? Central Sawyer, Nilo. There's so many of them. There's a, there's What's your name thing. again? Huh? What's your name again? Carl Radisson. Carl Radisson. Well, I guess we was down on the river when there's only about four or five when they started. How old are you, Carl? Seventy-five. Seventy-five. So, what year did you start around the river? 1949, I started with uh, the Mississippi Valley Barge Line. So you know Russell Flowers? Who? Russell Flowers. Oh yeah, we took them over when they was built. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> that was Flowers Transportation. Yeah, I know, I know Russell Flowers and his son and all the ones that worked for him. We ended up with them in our office. Well, um... Don McCauley. Where, where could I find you sometime and talk to you? 
I got his number. Okay. okay. He's got your number, you hear that? <laughs>